Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. If you're serious about doing something, you need a strategy. Spring of Life has a strategy for helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Worship through daily devotion and Sunday gathering, connect through deep relationships and small groups, and serve within and beyond the church. I hope you'll join us as we dig deeper into our strategy for growing as disciples. The scripture today is from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and the Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You might remember that we're in the middle of a series on strategy. And last week, we learned that overall, as a church, Monopoly is our favorite board game. There's a strategy to win Monopoly. You can't just buy every property you land on. You're going to run out of money pretty quick. You need to figure out how to get those Monopolies for which the game is named. But this strategy is important for not just playing board games. It's also important to have a strategy when we talk about growing in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus. We have an image of that strategy up there. You can see that at Spring of Life, whether you've known Jesus for 15 minutes, 15 years, or a whole lifetime, that if you participate in this strategy, you will grow in your faith. The strategy is three words. Do you remember them? Oh, I'm putting you on the spot now. Mm, The first one we talked about last week, worship. The second one we're going to dive into today, connect. And the third one we'll reflect on next week is serve. To spell this out a little more, uh, we worship through daily devotion and Sunday gathering. We connect through deep relationships and small groups. We serve within and beyond the church. This is our strategy to grow. And you might be thinking, okay, Mike, where does, where does this strategy of connection come from? Why is connection so important 
in the life of the church? Well, I have a question for our children. Have you found your seats yet? I want to ask you a question. So who can raise their hand and tell me one of the persons of the Trinity? Anybody know one of the persons of the Trinity? Raise your hand and tell me. Any children? Yes. Jesus. Yes. Great answer. That's one. All right. What are the other two people of the Trinity? Yes. The Father. Good. Be confident. You had the right answer. Yes, the Father. All right, what's the, what's the final person of the Trinity? Yes, the Holy Spirit. Yes, those are the three people in the Trinity. And we say, as believers in, in Jesus Christ, that we believe God is three in one, which is really hard to understand. How is it? that God is three people in one. But for sake, I don't have the answer to that, by the way, but for sake of our conversation this morning, we're gonna start with God is someone who's always in relationship. God was in relationship forever, and that's inherently the nature of God, to be in Trinitarian relationship which makes it kind of strange at times in the modern American church where we think of things as very individualized. Have you ever met someone that says, yes, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, I just kind of do some devotions on my own. I don't really connect with the community. Uh, I, I just have my own personal faith. Well, how is it that the God that we worship is three in one, enmeshed in relationship all the time, and yet for many of us as people of faith, we think of Christianity as our own personal thing, something we don't really need to do with others, it's just my faith. The church in Antioch was an amazing example of that faith spilling over through relationships. The church in Antioch did something radical and new. We talked about it a little bit last week. They started preaching to Gentiles, to people who were outside the family of faith, and God showed up in a mighty way. Verse 22 says, when the church in Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. There's an assumption in this verse. The assumption is relationship between the church in Antioch and the church in Jerusalem. There were relationships assumed that the news would travel, and it wasn't just the way news travels today. This news had to be intentionally sent in in all kinds of means so that people would understand what God was doing. The relationships make a huge impact, and those relationships are part of what allowed those churches to care for each other. Even though on the surface, we might not see a lot of overlap. I mean, after all, this is one church in Antioch and another in Jerusalem. Those cities aren't exactly close to one another, especially by ancient standards of travel. And yet they're connected. I don't know how many of you have ever heard this word before. Have you heard the word connectionalism Raise your hand if you've heard it. Okay, some of you had. Some of you are Methodist nerds like myself, and I love it. Uh, this is an example 
of what it looks like today, the relationship that the church in Jerusalem had with the church in Antioch, they were connected. In the United Methodist Church, we call this connectionalism, which is most simply the relationship we have between churches. In the United Methodist Church, we share resources, we share a conference, we share pastors, we share clergy, and we share a mission that's not just about our little corner of Orlando, of course, we're rooted here, this is who we are, but we remember that we're united to people all around the state of Florida who are pursuing the same mission of God, and not only the state of Florida, the southeastern jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church, the United States, and the global Methodist Church that has millions of people all pursuing the same mission of God and supporting one another on that mission. The one word we use to summarize all of that, which I just described, is connectionalism. You and I, we are connected to each other. We're connected to this larger mission of God, just like these churches in the early Christian movement. Barnabas shows up and is beginning to do ministry in the community, but then Barnabas goes to Tarsus to look for Paul, Saul. Barnabas, well, there's no window in the text into what Barnabas was thinking, but I wonder if Barnabas thought, wow, there's so much work going on here, I don't know that I can do it all myself. I need to, I need to call a friend to, to strengthen the leadership here. Leaders especially need connection, strong relationships to share the work of ministry. Barnabas realized that he couldn't do it all on his own and he was wise to reach out to a friend to work with him. And so the two of them come back together to Antioch and they stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And I love this. It's, it's almost like a throwaway at the end of verse 26, but it's so powerful. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. A full year of investing in the ministry of the church together? What do you think they were doing over the course of that year? I think they were doing some form of worship, of connection, and of service. And that these practices of faith changed the people who were doing them to the point that they developed a reputation in their community. They became labeled as Christians as a result of the ministry that they were doing in and through that community in Antioch. They made a reputation through their worship, through their joy, through their hope, through the relationships, through the service, through the way they helped people in poverty and they cared for the sick. All of that helped them be known as Christians. They shared Christ so much that people couldn't help but call them Christians. Okay, I have another question for all the children. I'm gonna show his picture up on the screen. Who can raise their hand and tell me who this is? Hmm, hmm. Yes. You still thinking about it? Okay, yes. 
You have two guesses? Okay. George Washington or Thomas Jefferson? That's incorrect. Those are, you're, you're in the same, similar era, but not quite right. So any other guesses on who this is? Yes. Yes, it's John Wesley. Yes, that's who that is. And, and I hope you know something significant that John Wesley did. John Wesley founded a movement that became our church, the United Methodist Church. John Wesley grew up and became an Anglican priest, but he was so frustrated that people were moving through the motions of faith. They were doing it without really experiencing God. They were doing it without really growing into what God could have in store for them. They were just doing church stuff going through the motions. And John Wesley said, you're missing the point. And he began to create communities that focused on on personal piety and social holiness. And John Wesley was so adamant about this that he was quoted as saying, Christianity is essentially a social religion. And that to turn it into a solitary one is it to indeed destroy it? Now, for many of us living in a hyper-individualized society, it can almost feel strange to hear John Wesley's words from 1748. That was a pretty long time ago that he was writing this. But I think there's something really important that he's getting at. Something we can examine and reflect on and learn for ourselves. Love and grace, they don't exist in a vacuum. They exist in a context of relationships. The connection God wants us to have is not just that we would know love and grace in an airtight box, but that we would be people who are sharing love and grace as well as people who are receiving love and grace. And the only way we know how to do that is in relationship, in relationships infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is more than just waving hi to your neighbors. (laughs) That's important. I don't want to minimize that. We celebrate that. Or seeing somebody at the grocery store, but having these types of deep relationships. And so I want to come back to the strategy we're, we're reflecting on today as a church, that connection would happen through deep relationships and small groups. We've been asking the question of, do you have people you feel like you could share anything with and that they would still support you and love you? That type of radical vulnerability is something God can use to create resurrection, growth, New life. And maybe you're hearing all of this thinking maybe one of two things. One, I don't know that I have that type of spiritually infused relationship. And if you're searching for that, I would encourage you to seek that out here. 
We have book an appointment with me, book an appoint or sign up in the back for an opportunity to join a small group. We're launching men's and women's groups and, and other opportunities for people to find that type of connection. Or maybe you're hearing this and thinking, okay, I have some, some strong bonds, some strong connections. How do I know if those relationships are spirit-infused? What's the measure to know that? Well, I wanna turn to the fruit of the spirit, which I confess I was taught the fruit of the spirit as a ruler for just myself. Is Mike offering the fruit of love and kindness and peace and patience and gentleness and self-control? But I invite you today to to turn this, this well-known scripture, and view it from the context of relationships. To say, are we receiving love and giving love? Are we receiving joy and sharing joy? Am I receiving peace and offering that peace, patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control? If we step back from this passage in the way we often interpret it, I don't think any of these fruits of the Spirit happen completely on their own. It's like what we were talking about with love earlier. Love happens in the context of relationships. And the most dramatic example of that is what we celebrated at Christmas. God left heaven to come to us to be vulnerable and open himself up so that we know what it feels like to be loved, so that we have a pathway to follow, to share that love. God has given us that gift and the fruit of that through the incarnation. The church at its best is a network of these fruitful relationships where we can celebrate the greatest joys with other people, holy moments, and also walk alongside through the darkest, deepest valley, like we talked about just a few weeks ago with the 23rd Psalm. This is how our lives change, by participating in these relationships, and it's one of the ways God changes the world, by inviting everyone into this network of relationships, deep relationship and connection. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for the people that you have placed in our lives. Give us the courage we need to be vulnerable, to deepen our relationships, and to invite others into spirit-infused community. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org slash connect or email me at pastormike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you.